the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, sort of. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Why do I say welcome in, sort of? Well, you'll find out in just a second. <laughs> it's not that good of a day. Uh, um, decidedly lower note. There's an indicator flashing recession, which is the spread between the 10-year Treasury note and the two-year note. It inverted for the first time since 2007, which was the last recession we've had. It tends to predict future recessions pretty darn accurately. So the, the R word is going to be bantered around for a while now. China reported the slowest pace of industrial production growth since 2002 and posted a 13th consecutive decline in passenger auto sales in the month of July. Germany registered a one-tenth of a percent quarter-to-quarter decline in second quarter GDP. Two quarters of negative growth is a recession, technically. So that's one quarter. Macy's came up well shy of second quarter earnings per share estimates. Macy's talked about rising inventory levels, lowered its 2020 guidance before accounting for the fourth tranche of tariffs on goods from China. We have essentially a, a, a self-made recession happening, brought to you by the President of the United States. The inversion on the 10-year and 2-year Treasury notes has been a central topic of conversation. If you look at the last five recessions since 1980, in every instance, those five recessions were preceded by an inversion of the 10-year Treasury and the 2-year. That is a salient point. We talked about last week on Monday... Moon day, the volatility really picked up and the markets dropped 3%. And any time that happens, historically speaking, in the last 30 years, it tends to eventually go down 10%, which eventually when that happens, it tends to go up 10%. So we're going to be okay, I think. The time between the first inversion and the start of the eventual recession is typically about 18 months. So we're on the clock now, according to the inverted yield curve of T minus 18 months until recession, and it could blow off a little bit sooner. So just throwing that out there. Strong response this morning is perhaps a little premature. Uh, We're definitely being oversold quickly as a full-fledged recession trade is in play at this point in time. Given the typical historical time period in between that inversion and the actual recession, feels a bit early, but we'll talk about that because I want you to know about it at least once and then move on. There was an inflationary report that could have come out. Well, there was a report that could have come out inflationary, and it wasn't. So the Fed has wiggle room to cut uh, rates. One and done is not going to be the tune, no matter matter what they want to try to tell us and no matter how they want to be perceived or not perceived to be 
being played by the Federal Reserve, uh, by the president. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If I felt a recession was coming and I was on shaky ground, financially speaking, I would build up an emergency savings plan. I would make sure that I have that two months to six months of reserves put aside because there's going to be a lot of layoffs in theory of a recession comes. I'd pay off all expensive debt sooner rather than later. I would look at my cash and I would, I would kiss it. I would say, I'm going to need you one day soon. Be ready. If I try to talk myself into a drunken stupor of buying a 72-inch TV, stop me. I would um, start talking with experts. Anyone who is a professional, financially speaking, who might be able to give you some insights. I would allocate your portfolio based on your goals um, and not on how the market's doing right now. If the market's hot and sexy and you've made an S-ton of money on Facebook and Amazon and Alphabet and Netflix and Apple... That's past performance. You've made the money. Now is the time to say, okay, I hear a recession's coming. I don't know exactly what that means, but I need to prioritize. I need to plan. I need to act. I'm not spooked by market pullbacks. I'm not spooked by market recessions. I think they're normal and they're healthy. Um, but recessions are always, they always feel worse than they are, or they're perceived to be feeling worse than they are. I don't know if I said that quite correctly, but get the idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Uh, stock market opened sharply lower today. Growth concerns lead to the inversion of the 10-year, two-year treasury yield. Relative weakness in energy and financial stocks. Uh, Macy's. Oh, man. Macy's. Why they got to go out of business already? Um, shoppers, they're saying shoppers have no appetite for price increases. And they're probably right. So Macy's shares tank as deep discounting leads to big earnings miss and they cut their forecast. I went into a Macy's recently because I had to go to a golf tournament. Oh, and I don't have a lot of golf apparel, to say the least. So I hit a banana republic. I hit everything except for a golf store, essentially, is what it comes down to. I hit a banana republic in Nordstrom's and a Macy's. Banana republic had nothing for me. Nothing. And Macy's just, I'll be honest, it's it's just an odd store. I go in there, and I'm like, this is a mausoleum of, of clothes and perfumes and colognes. And no, I don't want to try that cologne. Stay away from me. I honestly feel like the Walking Dead work there. I know you're saying I work in Macy's. Am I the Walking Dead? Yes. It, it feels like a zombie force of employees that don't want to be there, that don't really want to help you. They do help you. Give them credit. They, they, they persevere. But they push that credit card a little bit too much. And uh, that's all I got for you. Macy's shares tank 17%. Um, if you're interested in buying Macy's, Go look at Sears and hit yourself with a hammer. And then if that doesn't wake you up, go look at JCPenney's and hit yourself with a hammer. Um, I don't know if America has an appetite for mall-based department stores anymore. You know, stores like Kmart are gone. I know you're saying, but Walmart's still around. Yeah, I know. Just tr trust me when I say look elsewhere for your investments. Um I can make a case for a Kohl's. I, I can't make a case for a JCPenney's because I saw Sears. I can't make a case for a Macy's because I saw JCPenney. Maybe if they change their name to... 
Jacques Pony, the famous French retailer. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Love this song. Down, down. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. A lot of concern today about a potential recession. Everywhere you go in financial media, it's talking about the implications, the ramifications, the deliberations. Like everything is, it's hardcore right now. Which brings up one of the things that I like about recessions is that they tend to curb enthusiasm. They tend to curb excesses. We'll talk about that as the show goes on. Let's talk a little um, business talk radio and the big money show coming up in San Francisco, the San Francisco money show this week. I'll be presenting as will Cami Zaraki. Uh, did I get your name close to correct? You got it. Absolutely. Correct. That's impressive. Cause I mess up my own name sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so Cami, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you'll be doing at the money show. I kind of do a who, what, when, where kind of question. Sure. So um, I am Cami Zaraki. I'm the CEO of Better Investing. Better Investing is a nonprofit organization. We're actually headquartered in the Detroit area, and we are focused on um, teaching individuals how to be successful, fundamental, long-term investors. So we provide a lot of investment education programs um, through our chapters around the country as well as uh, from our website, and we also provide... um, online tools, stock analysis tools, and portfolio management tools that help people analyze stocks and manage their portfolios uh, according to the investment, you know, the fundamental investment principles that we uh, that we espouse. Um, we've been around since 1951, so got a lot of experience in that area. Um, I am uh, participating in the Money Show along with my colleague, Doug Gerlach, and uh, several of our local volunteers from the San Francisco area. Um, I am actually participating in a special session um, hosted at the Money Show called Women on Wealth. So this is Thursday morning beginning at 8.30 and uh, goes until right around noontime. So uh, different uh, speakers, all of whom are women, uh, talking about different investing topics. Topics. Uh, and then um, I am also speaking on um, Saturday morning with a presentation talking specifically about fundamental investing. So I'll be sharing with the audience um, our approach to fundamental investing. We'll have a little audience participation, if you will, and then together we'll actually analyze the stock so people can see how we go about doing that. And I and I believe that that session, it begins at uh, 8 o'clock, is also being streamed live uh, from moneyshow.com. So those are some of the things that we've got going on, and we'll, of course we'll be at the exhibition hall. And then uh, my colleague Doug is also speaking several times on, uh, on August uh, 16th. That would be Friday. So we've got a lot of great lot things of good, planned for the money show. A lot of good stuff and tip of the hat to you and your group, Better Investing. The website is betterinvesting.org. I appreciate anyone that's taking, I'm not going to say a safe, but a reasonable level-headed approach to investing. And clearly that's what you're doing. 
Uh, with that being said, you're probably getting prepped for a lot of questions about the recession or recessionary actions or when good economies go bad or when trade wars escalate. Are, are you sensing any anxiety amongst investors at this point in time? Well, certainly with our investors, we are, we're always uh, paying attention to what the market is doing, um, not from a day-to-day perspective, but obviously, you know, for big changes that are occurring. And from our, you know, point of view, we focus on trying to identify what we believe to be quality growth companies. And so when there is a recession, um, you know, when you're invested in a quality growth company, so quality growth company is one that is growing appropriate for its size, both in terms of sales and earnings. Um, they've we've got, you know, steadier growing uh, return on equity, steadier growing uh, pre-tax profit, and, um, you know, little or no debt or debt that they can readily afford. Uh, the debt issue kind of depends a little bit on the industry that they're operating in. Um, and... Then, of course, we try to analyze what we think the stock will trade at over a five-year period of time so that when you're focused on a quality growth company and you start to see that the market is going into a recession or, or a correction, it actually potentially creates an opportunity for you to buy a quality company at a reduced price, uh, or I should say buy stock in a quality company at a reduced price. So that's the way we tend to look at that um, situations like that. Uh, We are long-term investors, so we do hold a stock for a a longer period of time, typically uh, about five years, four to five years. So that does mean that we do sell stocks, (laughs) and uh, obviously we're looking to sell a stock when we think it is at a point that we consider the stock to be fully valued, uh, which means then we want to change the position that we have in the stock, sell some of it, uh, take the earnings uh, that we've gotten from that, and look to reinvest it you know, in, a, in another company, in another stock, uh, or another investment vehicle that we think is going to give us a, a better return over the next over the coming five years, if you will. So we're always kind of looking at things in, in that way. Cammy, um, while uh, while I'm playing around with your website, um, betterinvesting.org, I noticed that one of the things that you promote is clubs. We've got about a minute. I enjoy a good investment club in large part because 10 people can argue and one person can kind of like shut down the argument, which I love. Um, I've talking to investment clubs. I is kind of a TV radio guy. They kind of want me there as a celebrity, so to speak, on occasion. But I tend to really like the women investment clubs where there's like just one cranky old woman who doesn't want to buy a tech stock. And and that's a voice that you kind of want to hear on occasion. I I know I'm generalizing a little bit too much, but what are your thoughts on investment clubs and what do we need to know? We've got about one minute. yeah, I think investment clubs are great, and the the primary benefit of belonging to an investment club is it gives you, as an individual investor, the opportunity to actually talk about stocks and get other points of view that will help inform your decision regarding the stock. Now, investment clubs tend to invest a certain amount of money together, but then, so many investment clubs will each person will invest five, excuse me, fifty dollars a month, and then they will make joint decisions about how to invest the money that they've pulled together. But the real benefit of an investment club is the learning that you get and that you can yeah. apply to your own personal portfolios. I, so I, I agree. Most, yeah, that's mostly what our investment clubs are doing. Our members who are, uh, belong to investment clubs. Yep. 
And if you, if you see someone who's 80 years old at an investment club, they've been around for a long time. So that's the person I want to sit next to, if you, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cammie. Um, people can find you at The Money Show this week by going to kdow.biz. You have to sign up online to get in. But once you're in, everything's free, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, there may be some breakouts that are not, but I, I doubt that. Um, you can go to kdow.biz. You can meet Cami and the, the celebrities that are going to be there. Some of them rock the financial world. A lot of economists, a lot of financial planners, a lot of traders, a lot of investors. All topics are covered at The Money Show. You can learn more by going to kdow.biz. It's this week at the Hilton in San Francisco. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This is probably my favorite song. I don't want to sound like a 16-year-old boy, but this song messes me up. It's it's kind of a reflective song, right? Trent Reznor recorded it in 1994 with Nine Inch Nails. And I believe right around that time, Trent Reznor was called one of Time Magazine's 10 Most Influential, which I think is kind of a fascinating thing to be called because, man, what a curse, right? For him, it was a song about heroin. The needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. For Johnny Cash, he was meant to be Elvis Presley, and then Elvis Presley became Elvis Presley, and Johnny Cash became a hardcore drinker. If you do any research on him, he was he was set up to be the next big thing. And his career wasn't bad, but he wasn't Elvis. And like I, I can see the alcoholism in him, in the song, in the lyrics. And uh, I made a huge mistake in my life back in the '90s. I fell in love with a girl named Juliet, and. I didn't know what to do to impress her, so we went to a lot of live music. And oddly enough, in the early 90s, there was a, a guy named Johnny Cash who was playing, and I was like, I heard he was kind of a big thing in the 50s and 60s. And she was up for it. It turned out to be the best show I've ever seen. Nothing could ever hit that greatness. He was loved. We, we were kind of like millennials. We were young 30s. We're Gen Xers who were considered slackers at the time. And to make a long story short... I was just blown away by he came out. Then he brought his wife out, June Carter Cash, who, if you watch the video on YouTube today called Hurt by Johnny Cash, you'll see his wife in the video. And she's looking down lovingly at him. She died right when the video came out. And it, it's it's haunting because, like, here she is singing about his alcoholism. He's not singing about his alcoholism. He's singing about Trent Reznor's uh, heroin problem. But it, it kind of fits, right? So in that concert, it was at the um, the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. So he brings his wife out, and she's just as good as he is. Um, June Carter Cash, I didn't know her history at that point in time. I didn't see the, the movie. You know, it's um, Reese Witherspoon, and well, I call her Skillet Face because it looks like her face was hit by a skillet. It's all flat and kind of odd looking um, in shape of a skillet. Um so the movie wasn't out, so I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was America's Sweetheart. I didn't grow up with that music. She was America's Sweetheart, and he was America's next Elvis, and they fell in love, and whoa. Um, her family had uh, just this, this incredible legacy of music in America. And their daughter came out in that show and played. So, and again, the... the he did all of his hits and such, and this was right. 
this was before he started doing... No, this was right during when he was starting to do covers like that one. Um, he did two, three, four albums of covers. You know, he did Personal Jesus, which he reinvents songs because he's got a voice that can reinvent songs. Anyway, I can't do that, but uh, what a show. And that song, trust me, if you... Uh, you have a bad day, you can be really, really reflective about the empire of dirt that you've built and uh, sitting on your liar's chair full of broken thoughts that you can't repair. It's very reflective of every mistake you've ever made in your life. And and not necessarily negative. It's just saying, I can look back. So anyhow, in any way, um, inverted yield curve, recession is coming. Paul Revere... Recession is coming, recession is coming, recession is coming. It typically will. Now, this is a different kind of presidency. He seems to have levers that he can pull. But the longer he plays games, or as long, the longer that the, the games with China drag on, whether it's us with China or China with us, I don't know. Some jerk face called me a socialist and said, you hate the president. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm in an awkward position of trying to talk about the economy. And the president's all, he's got his fingerprints all over it right now. When a lot of presidents don't. Uh, but what I love is someone who goes, you're a socialist, communist, Nazi. <laughs> I love those emails because it just shows me that people are violently insane. That they think that they can listen to someone for a couple minutes and come up with their whole ideology and criticize them from a distance. Um, which is why I've never flicked anyone off. True story. True story. I've never been in a car and flicked the bird at anyone. You know why? Because I think I'm... I think Americans are crazy. I think Americans are violently insane. So I've always thought if I flicked off like a trucker or someone in like cutting me off, he's going to pull out a gun and shoot me. So I don't do it. I typically nicely wave at them and that pisses them off even more. They're like, you just cut me off and now you're nicely waving at me. At least flick the bird to me. I'm like, no, not going to do it. So Germany showed a quarter over quarter decline and two quarters in a row of decline in GDP is technical recession so we're going to be talking about this for a long time it doesn't help that macy's came out with bad numbers and basically said you know this is kind of on the whole china tariff thing you're like really so macy's ceo is giving us color in the trenches right now and i remember not last friday but the friday before that when trump announced the extra 10 percent of tariffs on roughly 300 billion dollars worth of goods i think that was a friday it could have been a thursday but on my way, I was driving. So I was listening to CNBC or Bloomberg while I drive. Greatest thing about satellite radio is I can stay in touch with financial media. Um, which is kind of interesting that I said that the way I said that. Because I wouldn't tune into my own show. I'd tune into CNBC or Bloomberg to hear what uh, the kind of conventional wisdom is. But there was a head of retail who called in, and he was panicked. I don't know his title because I was driving, but he's like, these extra 10% tariffs on, on $300 billion worth of good, it's going to destroy retail in America. There's going to be bankruptcy after bankruptcy after bankruptcy. It, it was almost like, as if the guy personally went bankrupt because of the news, or his wife left him for a Chinese retailer or something like that. Like, I don't know, but he was really distraught. And I, I, I filed that under, that's odd. And now I see Macy struggling. I see the CEO coming on and say, shoppers have no appetite for price increases from looming tariffs. And these tariffs essentially hit the industries like shoes and apparel and a lot of electronics. That's the things that we have not uh, tariffed until now. And Trump said September. And then he was like, oh, no, that's not good because Americans want to buy stuff for christmas so we better change that to december now you could take that as i don't like the president or you could take it as i'm just giving you analysis on the fly 
I didn't give any analysis on the fly. And take it for what it's worth, I'm not in the man's head, but it seems like the December 15th was a reversal of the September 1 position, largely in place so that we could accommodate the U.S. consumer for the holidays. Which, if I was China, I'd say, no, 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 you can keep those, in fact. <laughs> Turn the screw a little tighter. So Macy's shares are off 16%. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Like, let's say I'm walking home today, and I'm whistling. I whistle while I walk. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Um, and I fall and bump my head. That's the only scenario where I can imagine where I, I wake up out of a coma for 10 years, and I go... I think it's time to buy Macy's. Um, department stores just don't do it for me. There's different type of retailers. And as an investor, uh, you can get exposure to different types. Soft lines are things like clothing stores. Hard lines are like uh, furniture. Uh, more robust issues. You can look at something like a Home Depot and say it's kind of a home improvement play. What type of retailer do you want? I walked into a Best Buy yesterday and it was pretty empty. It doesn't give me confidence that they're a year-round play instead of more like a, a holiday play or a Super Bowl play on TVs or something. I don't know. And Best Buy's been it's, – it's, it's a stock that did great for like 10 years, and then it did horrible for five years, and it started to do great again. And I just have no interest in that. Um, in the end, I was once fascinated with Best Buy. I wanted to see the gadget. I wanted to see what a 4K TV looked like. I wanted to see what HDR looked like. Um, but in this day and age, as I get older, I'm just like, just buy me a TV. I'm 92 years old, and I just want a TV. I want to watch Oprah. Uh, Oprah hasn't been on in years. I want to watch Oprah. And I should be allowed to watch Oprah because I've lived 92 years old. Therefore, I, I, I've earned it. So when it comes to investing, you're going to learn there's things that you just don't want. Like, for instance, I don't buy a lot of insurance companies in the world of finance. I might buy a bank or a broker, but I don't like insurance for some reason. It's good to have opinions like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Sorry about all the Johnny Cash today. It just seems apropos. All I got is negative today. I got Macy's down 17%. I got the market down 450 points. I got Uber hitting an all-time low. Talking a little bit more about Uber. It's probably one of those companies that we knew was going to come public, that we knew was going to come public, we knew it was going to come public, we got excited about it coming public. Um, could it be the next Facebook? Sure. I remember the first time I took an Uber ride, do you? I remember the first time my brother David, visiting from the East Coast, took an Uber ride. He was freaked out of his mind. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, give me your phone, download the app, um, punch in your credit card, first ride was free or something like that. He was just, whoa. Um... So we kind of built in some expectations that the cake was going to be tasty. The only problem is we forgot to add eggs and it it turned to to brick. I don't know how the cake analogy. Forgive me, Father, for I gave a bad analogy. But, yeah, it's we were so expecting better from Uber. And then Lyft kind of stepped in their way and... Wanted to get premium pricing while they could because they knew billions and billions of dollars were going to be lost between the two companies. And Uber's IPO was a disaster of sorts. Then this quarter, this is their second quarter being publicly traded. I don't buy publicly traded companies until at least one year old. I know. I can make an Epstein joke here about 
having standards about who you date. I used to honestly say I would only date college-educated women because I was college-educated, and I tend to find that people find each other. Um, and it was kind of a standard of mine. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but most of my friends are college-educated, married a college-educated person. Most of my friends are high school-educated, married a high school-educated person. Um, so... Try to find, you know, the, the thing that works for you, per se. But Dow down 500 now. Whoa. It's one of those days. So I, wouldn't, I, I don't buy Uber because I don't buy stocks that are less than a year old. I will make a really weird, really weird exception on occasion. But it's part of my standards. It stops me from getting into trouble. It stops me from learning, oh, it looks like all the insiders are leaving. Oh, they got a new CFO and a new CEO. Like, oh. They were just there for that paycheck of the IPO, and they're out. And they probably had a contract that said you'll stay for the IPO plus three months or something like that to get your shares. But the quarter, they lost $5 billion. And the question is, will they ever make $5 billion? Will they ever make $10 billion? Their market cap has fallen roughly $10 billion below that of the close of its first day of trading. So it was wildly overpriced, is the thought. Shares hit $35 today. It was an earnings whiff. Now... There's a good chance that by having the stock underperform, that it's setting themselves up for outperformance as far as the stock goes. But my standards just won't let me date a stock that's less than a year old. And a company that's losing $5.2 billion, I have to ask the question of, like, what's going on? I get expansion is expensive, and I get that Amazon kind of broke the model for IPOs. When they IPO'd, Amazon said, we will not be profitable for a long period of time. And I kind of went with it. By the way, every villain now in uh, superhero movies looks like Jeff Bezos. I was, watching, I was watching Shazam with my boys the other day, and the bad guy in Shazam looks like Jeff Bezos. How crazy is it that we could basically say, if you're a billionaire, you probably have an evil lair? And we just go with it. So Uber lost $5.2 billion. I love hypocrisy. I've got a friend who works for Uber, and he just bought a $200,000 plus car. His family went on vacation without him this summer because um, he married a woman from Japan, and he's from a different country. I don't want to give too much intimate details out in case people could figure out who he is. Oh, yeah, he bought a $200,000 McLaren. That guy. <laughs> if you see the McLaren, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but his wife was complaining the other day about the cost of housing and how crowded it is. And I'm like, duh. You just bought a $200,000 car. It's like people have money to throw around, which kind of creates that problem with housing, right? So Uber shares hit their closing price of $37 yesterday, and it's just, you could say all you want about transportation, how it's changing. In the end, you want companies that make money. You want companies that have the ability to make money, not companies that are able to grow revenue as fast as they can. Now, again, like I said, Amazon broke the model for IPOs because when they came public 20 plus years ago, they said, we're going to lose money for a long time. We are not in the business of losing money. We're in the business of grabbing market share and pie of which I, Amazon yesterday just barely kind of almost announced that they're going to start selling. They're going to start being a middleman for like grocery, uh, mom and pop grocery stores, convenience stores. Uh, why not? While they're out there delivering everything, why not deliver, you know, beer for the, the local vendor to sell? Why not? deliver cigarettes? Why not deliver uh, M&Ms? Which, I look at people inside those stores selling to the owners and I'm like, whoa, your job's in danger. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget to check me out online at newfocusfinancial.com. Big seminar coming up Friday at The Money Show. Learn more at kdow.biz. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.